We are going to get into a few topics on this podcast. New school year, remote learning, effectiveness, and such. But first, it has been a few weeks since this podcast last posted. What did you do during that time? Well, uh, I want to say it was probably the last week or so of July. I packed up the car and took off by myself and headed first north and then west and drove all the way to Wyoming and back. Why? (laughs) Um, Very good question, why. We, our family here, had, um, had big plans for the summer. We were supposed to go to a reunion up in Ohio. We were gonna head out west to Colorado and other places. And given COVID-19, as it's such, we had to make um, changes to that plan. And for the most part, we were unable to do all of those things. I still had a couple of reservations out west and I decided as the year kept going that I was uh, getting depleted more and more of not just physical energy, but mental energy. And asked my husband if we could just um, let me go for a little while. And so it became a sabbatical. Tell us more about this sabbatical and why you think it's important. It's not just the sabbatical. This was an interesting sabbatical because it took two weeks. Usually... I have, over the past several years, tried to take a day or two by myself just to stop the noise that occurs in a household with children and with everything going on. And this time around, I realized I needed to do some healing and take a mental break even from managing the education of the children and the daily chores of keeping the house running and I realized that it would be easy just to try to sleep all the time but uh, I also realized it would be good to have a plan so I packed up um, canvases and papers that would allow me to paint that's one of my hobbies and I have mismanaged my time with my hobbies this year and basically not done them at all and it kind of has compounded over not just this year, probably previous years, and so I decided this would be the time to make myself sit down and finally just do it. And um, there's something healing in that to take a a mental break from the constant barrage of what is the daily routine and getting ready for the new school year and just taking a break for a second. So when you take your sabbatical, what do you tend to do? What's involved with that? Obviously you said traveling and heading different places but what else is involved there has to be a concerted effort I think to make sure that you turn off your brain in other areas as well like social media Um, the news cycle has been very tough on us all this this year especially and So in the past, what I try to do is just make sure I manage communications with who I need to, like obviously my husband or whoever's taking care of the children while I'm away. But even the simple action of deleting all social media apps off my phone and news alerts, 
uh, as I traveled by road and such was very good for just taking a break. Um, just literally allowing the emotions to, to lie still for a little while, even though it meant not really knowing what's going on in the world, but, <laughs> and masking up where I needed to and such, but it just was, um, you know, when I re-engaged, I just realized how much it was the same old thing and it was okay that I took a break from it for a couple weeks. Did you feel guilty? I definitely felt guilty uh, the, the weeks leading up to me leaving because I was trying to make sure I had everything in place that was needed while I was away. And as I drove away, I kept having twinges of guilt, especially in the mornings or late in the evenings when, you know, my traveling was over or, you know, I was just laying still. But um, I realized that this was probably a good time for the children as well and for my family that I left for a little while. And I managed that by dropping postcards here and there and sending care packages. And that allowed me to still feel like I was part of their life and yet taking just um, some much needed rest. And now you're back and school has either started back or will be shortly for most kids across the country. How do you typically prepare for the new school year? Oh my, it's a lot. I have to stop myself and make a list uh, many times a day usually because it can be overwhelming when I think about what I need to do to get everything ready and set. Um, many folks have asked me this summer, you know, are you still teaching the children and are you still doing things? And my answer is, of course, always. It's like a slow trickle during the summer. And, and usually I had the advantage of summer camps to uh, clean out our classroom area and, you know, all my books and things. Um, from the previous year for the children and then get ready for their new uh, books and their new curriculum. Obviously this summer has been a little different with COVID restrictions, especially in our area. So they've been around the house a lot. So uh, I've been using these weeks leading up to our um, hard start of school to say, hey, you know, let's uh, let's clean out the desks today and let's get uh, everything um, organized. and. So they've been part of the process this year, and that's been actually good. And it's allowed me to get a better gauge on each child as they're getting ready for their respective grades. And, um, you know, I just start the mornings now for uh, two or three hours just to get them ready for the routine of school. Because once we start, you know, it's we just go forward. Many school districts are offering remote or distance learning options. What have you found is effective with remote learning and what is ineffective with it? Well, that's an awesome question. Um, I would say it's going to be particular, of course, to the children because you could have two or three different kids and they may react to e-learning or virtual learning in different ways. Uh, in our county, here in Palm Beach County, uh, we have a, a great portion of our public school students that have to start with e-learning for right now and I would say what's effective is certainly you can go at your own pace for the most part if it's a live class with the teacher and the instructor 
uh, th there's engagement and you can build around that time uh, when at home. Uh, the fallback, of course, is not getting the interaction in person. And that's where the way I put it to parents in the past that have considered homeschooling or, or virtual learning for their children is think about yourself as being the, like the coach to help cheer on the student because they obviously have an instructor or instructors that are with them on the e-learning modules and such, but they will still need that physical interaction uh, with you at home or with whomever is working with them, whether it's a caregiver or as I'm learning about some um, colleagues of mine that are using pods, learning pods, they call them now, to pool resources and you know that's the amazing thing about education is it can be delivered in so many ways to our students and obviously we're learning that right now um, you know by the health requirements in our different areas what have you seen among friends or different news coverage or what have you as a best practice as we all go into this very different kind of school year Honestly, the best practice, quote-unquote, as you put it, would be what works for you. If you are listening right now, you must find what works for you and your child or children, uh, student or students. Falling back on my own professional life as well as personal life here with the children last decade, I've always found for myself it does help to have your schedule put together. When I worked in a school, it was always important to have that set, and then it was the framework, meaning once the ball gets rolling, whether you have a classroom full of kids or whether you have just a room with your child or, or a couple of children, you're going to have to adapt and adjust accordingly. And having that flexibility, having that sense of humor, you know, when things go wrong, when the experiment doesn't work out as you thought it was going to, when the activity that the teacher gave the children on their virtual classroom, you try to do it at home and it just does not pan out the same way, that's okay. It's all part of the educational experience. Every single moment with your student or students is always going to be an educational moment. So that goes from how things go with the math problem, uh, the math sheet, you know, you just can't tackle it today. Let's just skip it for a second. Let's move back into English. Let's go back to this. These are things that you're gonna find. You just have to go with the flow. And that's the best education we can give our children, to be honest, is that even when we set out to do something in concrete, it's okay to adjust it afterwards. Um, and they'll be better for it, and, and so will you. Is there anything else you would like to share with all the parents out there? Yes, actually, it's a prayer, and I know we're all of different faiths or maybe even um, folks that are agnostic atheists, but either way, I just want to share sort of a, a prayer and, and slash meditation that might help all of us, and I have to repeat it to myself sometimes several times a day. So it's entitled For a Busy Day with Children, and it goes, God, I thank you that I'm also a parent, and I'm looking forward to this busy day that will be filled with the chatter and laughter of my children. May I catch their enthusiasm and may their interest infect my own spirit so that I, too, may have a childlike eagerness for the events of the day. 
Give us patience if the day grows long and tempers wear thin. And may we end the day with eagerness to spend another day together. Amen. Amen.